Welcome to the Marketing AI SparkCast, the go-to podcast where we explore the exciting intersection of artificial intelligence and marketing. Our aim is to spark your curiosity and inspire you to infuse your marketing with AI. Join Abby Varma, a B2B marketing leader, as he navigates you through this dynamic and ever-evolving landscape where technology meets creativity. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to the podcast. In today's episode, we will discuss the impact of artificial intelligence on marketing technologies, aka MarTech. Now, that's where um, the rubber meets the road for artificial intelligence, because a lot of these innovations that are coming through uh, are really manifesting itself in the form of marketing technologies and other tech, but Today, we're really talking uh, and focusing on marketing technologies. Uh, I am thrilled uh, to welcome our guest. We are joined by Anita Burton. She is the founder and CEO of Cabinet M. Uh, Anita spent most of a career as a high-tech marketer in startups, working for companies just from inception to M&A, right up to IPO. Uh, she's been running Cabinet M for almost a decade, decade, and Cabinet M's platform makes it easier for organizations to manage their marketing technology stacks, um, also helps them find um, what they need. Anita, welcome to the show. Thanks, Abby. It's great to be here. I love talking about MarTech and especially love talking about what's happening in AI. Wonderful. We are going to have a lot of fun today. Can't wait. All right, well, let's just dig in. Um, so uh, 2023 has been the year of AI. It has really exploded. And you know, I tell people that you can run, but you can't really hide. Uh, there is just AI everywhere. So I know that um, you guys at Cabinet M, you have a quarterly MarTech Innovation Report, and you just released your Q2 um, uh, MarTech Innovation Report, where I think the findings were that the MarTech investment, which was dominated by AI-related MarTech, you know, to the tune of 75%. So would love to learn a little bit more on, you know, what your findings were and what your observations are, and we'll go from there. Okay, terrific. Happy to share. So um, before we get to where investment is going, let's talk a little bit about um, what types of products are being released, AI um, oriented products. And I would say over the last nine months, so you're now in since last November, we've just seen this raft of generative AI, right? It, across all mediums, right? So text, video, audio, image. Um, so if I look at what has been announced as products, it's predominantly generative AI. Now, if I look at what um, where investment is going. I think one of the things that's really exciting is a lot of investment is going into enabling technology. So um, creating um, APIs or app builders or ways for companies to leverage um, AI applications and develop applications for themselves. So I think, you know, this is, um, this is like the head of it the very head of a big new curve where we're going to see um, lots of interesting implementations of AI. So I think that's very interesting. 
The other thing I think is interesting is that, you know, if we look at all of this investment, and I think investment in Q2 was around $3 billion, 1.3 billion of that went into a company called Inflection AI. Now, this is the new scary one, right? This is the, you know, Alexa meets Siri meets ChatGPT. Very five. Yeah, it's it's the next personal assistant. And the promise of this assistant is that it will be able to help you professionally. It will be able to offer advice personally, all in a kind and friendly way. Um, so uh, I think that is going to be really interesting to see um, how that rolls out. So the product is going to be called Pi. I think that stands for personal, personal something. Um, mm -hmm. So that would be very interesting, but you know, it just gives you a sense of what it takes to produce something like this. You know, a, a billion dollars in a single investment round. Yeah. Um, you know, the last one for Chat GPT was ten billion. So these AI companies are taking in lots and lots of capital. So it's so fascinating to see how the monies are moving, and which seems to be a very good indicator of the bets the industry is placing. Was I mean, you guys have been doing this, you know, the quarterly MarTech innovation report for a while. Was any of these findings a surprise to you or this is something that you saw coming? Um, I think the surprise um, was how many products, AI, generative AI products have launched. I mean, uh -huh. we've talked over 100 in the last six months, and that may be even mm -hmm. underestimating um, we're about to add another 100 to our database. So um, it seemed like one day we didn't have generative AI, and the next day, ta-da, we have lots and lots of generative AI all of a sudden. So um, I think that was a little surprising. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think um, the proliferation and the pace um, of innovation has really been kind of mind-boggling to be honest i think there's been uh, lots of these sort of gold rushes but this feels um quite different uh than you know uh, what we may have seen in the past well to all our listeners i just wanted to call out that the report that we're talking uh, about is available on gated on cabinetm.com so we highly encourage folks to go check it out all right um well let's talk a little bit about, you know, marketers, um, since that's who the show is for. Uh, there are so many use cases that have been discussed for sort of AI-infused marketing technologies. And, you know, from from content co-offering, which seems to be, you know, one of the most common use cases, low-hanging fruit, to social media, image, video, audio creation, co-creation, personalization, chatbots, analytics, uh, and, and, you know, many more use cases. What areas have you guys observed that, you know, there is the most activity in uh, both in terms of the MarTech community and the investments that follow, but also in terms of sort of value addition that marketers are seeking? Yeah, so I think um, it's a two-pronged answer. So the first part of the answer is the less sexy part of the answer. And that's, you know, um, companies have been talking MarTech vendors have been talking for quite a while about how you leverage AI, which, you know, encompasses machine learning to process data and better target 
um, create micro segments to target and to then leverage that data to deliver more personalized experiences. So that has kind of been in play for at least five years. And I think, you know, it's continuing to evolve. And I think we'll see a lot more um, focus on that side of AI, the what it can do with lots and lots of data, um, internal data, to help inform marketing strategy, plans, targeting, campaigns, et cetera. But what we're seeing right now is, you know, this this vast adoption of generative AI tools. And I think one of the concerns or issues is that a lot of this is being done very informally, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, it's less about what we're seeing in people's stacks, though these tools are, are showing up, but, wow. you know, in conversations that we have, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you know, I use ChatGPT for this. Oh, I, you know, I've created this image. And, you know, I think that sets up some interesting corporate dynamics. Wow. Um, because if this is, you know, if people are allowed to run wild and I'm guilty of that, Right. So yeah. in in thinking about this podcast today and and just reviewing the innovation report, um, there's a company on that innovation report called Runway. And now I'm like dying to try it. So that apparently you can feed in text and it produces a video. No cameras, no nothing. You just get a video. So, right. you know, so I'll be running off to try that. But I think that's what's happening in organizations. And I think organizations need to take a step back and they need to create a policy around the use of generative AI. And, you know, for example, uh, MarTech.org, which, um, you know, is the producer of the MarTech conference, um, they've published for all of us that are columnists and contributors rules around um, how we use something like a chat GPT. And I think that's, you know, it's acknowledging that people are going to use it, but at the same time, making it clear that you cannot ask ChatGPT to write your article for you. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think um, just to hear you saying that, and I've heard that from lots of marketers around the same thing. There's excitement and people want to get their hands dirty. And there's a little bit of a wild, wild west where people are going, trying out different things. And not only that, I mean, they're getting bombarded with sort of this overwhelming influx of you know, AI-powered MarTech that is coming their way. I mean, Scott Brinker's, um, you know, 2023 MarTech landscape, which was released back in May of this year, you know, calls out about 11,000-plus solutions, which, you know, represents a staggering 7,000% growth in MarTech, just traditional MarTech over the last, you know, 12 years, over a decade. Mm-hmm. One can only imagine what the next decade is going to look like. So. What is your advice on how marketing teams should approach this sort of overwhelming barrage of uh, AI-infused MarTech coming that way? Should they play with it and get familiar? Should they take a pause? What is your advice to marketing teams? Yeah, so my advice is for generative AI, where you are interacting with something that is not part of your internal system, just put some guardrails around and encourage people to um, experiment 
and you know move beyond chat gpt and look at all of the cool new tools that are out there because i think um that's it's going to inspire creativity so i think it's going to be like a circle right you you can play with these tools you can see some form of new creative creativity but then in, in turn will spark your own creativity and and i think you know it's these are helper tools so i think that's great that is really great but in terms of when I think about AI in general and the ultimate power it will have, which is in processing all of this data, uh -huh. you know, it still scares me how many companies do not have a record of all the technology they're using or how it's connected. And if that doesn't exist, then you don't know what data you've got, how clean it is, how accurate it is. And so, you know, there's going to be if if companies don't get their hands around this, there's going to be a big mismatch, right? That people are going to want to adopt some of these new platforms that um, can analyze data and deliver recommendations, but those recommendations will only be as good as the data that they are leveraging. So, if companies can't say this enough, if they have not got their hands around their stack, their data sources, they don't understand how clean their data is, none of this AI is going to be of benefit. So now's the time to get that in order. And then the exciting thing is that because of the scale of AI, the sources of data are just going to expand dramatically, right? So you have your core marketing data, but you'll be able to pull in data from other teams in the organization. You'll be able to augment that with publicly available data. You know, so the picture that you'll be able to paint of your customers and your prospects is going to be so much richer. And you're going to then be able to really target these individuals um, with very personalized experiences. But it all comes back to making sure you've got the data right and clean. Yeah. No, I think you're spot on. To me, I think the sort of um, cornerstone of any successful AI strategy where um, you're leveraging your own data is really predicated on the quality of the data that you may have. And uh, that we're all trying to figure it out. <clears throat> Excuse me, the industry itself is trying to figure it out. But, you know, um, if we zoom out a little bit from, you know, individual marketing folks and how they want to approach that to just really high level trends, the way I see it sort of I have in my sort of abstraction of broken it down into three buckets. I see, you know, um, platforms and things that people are already using are getting infused with, you know, MarTech. We have, you know, Salesforce and the HubSpots and now Microsoft Office and Zoom and you name it, all these platforms that organizations are already leveraging. They are getting sort of, uh, you know, uh, there's mass sort of AIification going on in these platforms. That's sort of, that's one bucket. Then you have a whole slew, a whole breed of you know, AI first native applications where the core offering was sort of built around artificial intelligence. And these technologies, uh, you know, are meant to, or, or could potentially replace and displace, you know, your established offerings, established MarTech offerings. And a good example of that is Jasper AI, for example. And then you have your third bucket, which, you know, I'm, I call these sort of micro MarTech offerings where you know, it's it's a piece of MarTech that does that one thing, you know, really well, 
and if you string along many such mini, you know, micro martech um, offerings into your larger workflow, it could really start adding value. And you know, ChatGPT and a whole host of plugins is a great example of that. Um, so if you sort of blur your eyes, that's the way I see it. I'd love to get your take on, you know, how do you see, you know, the the martech, uh, you know, landscape taking shape and and where the market's going to be moving. Yeah. So I think um, I think a few things. One is I don't know if in that third bucket we include enabling AI enabling technologies or whether that should be in its own fourth bucket. But uh, yeah. I do think, um, you know, there'd be whole categories there. I think some of these um, AI first and micro products are going to get gobbled up by the larger platform players. Uh -huh. um, and I also really believe that we're going to see some new big platform market leaders um, that will emerge because, you know, they will start a you know, AI first and, you know, we may see a reshaping of, you know, what we think of as a CRM or a marketing automation platform. And mm -hmm. so I do think that within the next five years, we're going to see new leaders emerge. Now, whether they'll display, displace um, the existing big players or sit alongside or be gobbled up by those players, it remains to be seen. But I do think um, we're going to take a leap forward in functionality over the next five years. That is fascinating. And so, you know, it, it's so exciting to think about sort of the the AI movement um, in a lot of ways. It, like I said, you know, at the top of the show, it sort of feels so different than what we've seen um, with, you know, recent innovations over the last five, 10 years. But, you know, one thing which is thought provoking is how will marketers interface and react to these marketing technologies? You know, especially with the, you know, um, uh, with the sort of advent of natural language search, right? So to me, um, are we are we getting to a point where, you know, MarTech and MarTech user experience is, you know, going to be chat GPT-fied where you just, you know, type in your comment and, you know, the MarTech's going to do stuff, but just was wondering what are your thoughts there? Because that's such a interesting area to think about. Yeah. So I think in not just in MarTech, but I think in any kind of business, um, we're going to see the user interface change. And so I think the role of the marketing team is going to get much closer to the engineering team because they're going to have to work on that user interface together to create, you know, a next generation experience so that that I think is led by a natural language interface. So instead of click, click, clicking, you and I have talked about that in the past, clicking around to, to get uh -huh. to where you need to be, to be able to create experiences where somebody can just interact either verbally or um, by typing in um, a request. I think we're going to see some really cool stuff happen um, over the next five years. So I think, um, and I think, you know, that will be true in MarTech too. So I think tools that perhaps may feel complicated to use now, you know, we all talk about, um, we buy these big MarTech platforms and we only use 15% of the capability. And a right. lot of it is because of the complexity of the platform. Well, if you can leverage AI and a natural language interface 
to reduce the complexity of the platform. Imagine what you can do if you could fully take wow. yeah. And if people on the team didn't need, you know, training, um, you know, intensive training to be able to use a platform, um, the, you know, the doors will open and, and new experiences will emerge and marketing will be transformed. And, and it's very exciting yeah. to think about that. Yeah, no, for sure. Because to me, you know, one of the things I heard somebody say that the most exciting programming language that is coming up is English, right? Because with, uh, you know, with not only with user interfaces that sort of can almost convert, you know, um, average people into into developers as you start sort of seeing this whole movement towards adoption of natural language, um, you know, search and nat natural language commands into sort of user interfaces and functionality. So um, truly excited about that. And I can't think, I can't even begin to imagine how those, uh, the 11,000 pieces of technology that exists out there, MarTech that exists out there, how they would, you know, sort of end up retooling um, their MarTech interfaces to accommodate for this whole, you know, natural language uh, interface um, that the future holds. So, you know, super excited about that. So um, one thing which, um, would love to get your thoughts on, which is, you know, like you said, you know, the the uh, adoption and training and onboarding for, you know, MarTech, which has traditionally been, you know, the role and responsibility of, you know, marketing operations um, and marketing operation professionals and departments. You know, now I feel that there's going to be an element of self-serve with various marketing departments, whether you have your comms team, or your social media team, or your digital team, there's going to be a lot of self-serve. There's going to be a lot of sort of self-reliance on being able to leverage these technologies. And with that, one wonders how the role of marketing ops professionals and departments will evolve. What is, what's your perspective? Because I would imagine that Cabinet Ed works with a lot of marketing ops folks, you know, as part of their offering. What have you yeah. heard and what your opinion? Yeah, I think... These will be very, um, the, the role will evolve in, in several ways. One, an intense focus on data, sources and quality, right? So, and making sure that the stack has been architected to um, create the right data flow. So data, data, data is the first thing. And then the other is, you know, the, I think marketing ops still has to perform the role of gatekeeper. So we're all excited, right? We're playing with all this generative AI and these AI tools. And a lot of these today are free. You know, fast forward two or three years, these are not going to be all free tools, right? Right. Um, the more sophisticated ones are going to require subscriptions. Otherwise, these companies will not continue to exist. So there's still the gatekeeper function is going to be needed to select uh -huh. the right tools for the organization to meet the organization's marketing objectives. Uh -huh. So I think, you know, that continues to be a role, the role for marketing ops, because if spending is out of control, you don't make your customer lifetime value numbers, you know, uh -huh. cost, customer cost of acquisition goes nuts. So you have to temper excitement and enthusiasm with business realities. Um, I also see marketing operations with a much more cross-functional role, reaching out into um, other teams in the organization, engineering, um, customer success, um, 
you know, pulling additional data, accounting, pulling additional data in um, to be leveraged for the marketing department. And I think just, you know, in general, I think marketers are going to be sat there with a more intuitive um, command center, you know, wow. whatever that may be for each individual marketer, better quality and more rich data wow. with all of these um, generative tools that can augment the work that they're doing. And I think, you know, the, the core function of marketing, you know, part of it is really about attracting customers and positioning and brand development. And I think the more data that marketers have, the richer the data, that's just going to fuel in a whole nother level of creativity. So these things are going to play off one another. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so interesting you say that because um, in, in at least two organizations that I was speaking of, the marketing ops leaders have sort of almost championed the cause of um, AI adoption, you know, within the marketing teams and are part of a, a, a founding members of sort of an internal AI council for that organization to, you know, come up with, um, you know, a, a, a strategy behind AI adoption and putting up guardrails, like you mentioned earlier all, all uh, earlier on in the show. So um, definitely um, the, the sort of ripple effect of AI, what it's going to do, not only the technology itself, but to people and process and organizational structures is really interesting and fascinating to think about. Well, um, Anita, any, any last thoughts uh, before we conclude on, on you know, um, your uh, overarching view on artificial intelligence um, and, and what the future holds. Yeah, I think um, I was on an AI panel several months back and I don't remember who, who mentioned it, but there's a graph circulating um, that has two lines on it. One shows our ability as humans to conceptualize what we can do with AI technology. And so that line kind of goes like this. Uh -huh. And then the other line is the evolution and advancement of AI. And it goes like this. Right. So I think there's this big um, gap that suggests that we don't even really know. Yeah. And, you know, Abby, we can have this conversation in five years, and I hope we do, and we'll be saying to each other, how did we not see that coming? Right, exactly. And, yeah, I think there will be things that we're just not able to conceptualize, and I think that's one of the really exciting things about the Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, in fact, I saw an article from um, uh, Ethan Mollick, who's uh, a professor at Wharton School, and, you know, his the gist of his article was AI is weird and people are still figuring it out and nobody really has all the answers. So uh, I think that was obviously I'm being facetious, but it's really, um, really interesting to see how this, you know, market, um, you know, evolves. Yeah. But Anita, thank you very much for joining our podcast today and sharing your thoughts. It was a real pleasure. Um, I know I could talk about this stuff forever, but uh, thank you for your time. And to um, all our listeners, thank you for joining me in today's episode and on this journey as we try to make sense of AI and, and hope that it can supercharge all our marketing efforts. So appreciate it and thank you very much. Thanks a lot for having me, Abby.